Wow. Well, welcome everyone here this morning. I'm glad you're here. Glad you uh, joined us today. Those who couldn't be here and you're at home online, welcome. Uh, you know, as, as I experienced the day yesterday, along with the uh, uh, Shilriff and Rodriguez family, I, I was reminded that all of us are traveling on a journey. We are all traveling a road of life and uh, until that journey is over, until we take our last breath. And we don't know when that will be. We don't know how many years the Lord has given us, but uh, we are all travelers. And, and that as we travel, we can't do it alone. We, we can't walk the road and the journey of life alone. Uh, there are other people, many, many people, who are fellow travelers who need help as we go along the way finding the right part of the trail, finding the right path. They need us to point them in the direction of Jesus. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. It is Jesus. That is the number one reason why this group of people exist together. Uh, there's, there's many other reasons, but that is the number one reason. So that we might, as we walk the journey of life, be able to point other people to Jesus and ourselves look to him as well. You see, Jesus is the only one who can put us on the narrow road, the road that we are journeying in this life to eternal life, no matter. And, and, and another thing that I was reminded of yesterday um, is that no matter what choices people are making in life, Jesus loves them. He, he wants to reach into their life. He wants to save them. You know, a, this, this building, was, it was pretty full. We weren't really ready for how many people were going to be here. We, we had an, a small overflow, but it needed to be a big overflow. There was about 350 people here yesterday. And... Uh, you know, they were from every walk of life, every, every single walk of life. And, and it was a wonderful thing to have probably, I don't know, I, I'm sure there were people here who have never been in this church. Uh, I can't speak for them and say they've never been in any church, but um, they were here. They were here because somebody had cared for them or had been in a relationship with them, had invested in their life. They were here to honor Alicia, and, and it just made me wonder, how do, and I get there's a spiritual battle going on, and there's all sorts of different things happening, but, but how do we make a person feel okay, no matter what their choices in life are, to come through our doors on a Sunday morning and hear the truth about how God loves them? How do we do that? I mean, that, that is the sort of the original reason why um, the Armstrongs and, and those who, and I'll read a little bit about the history at the end of the service today, um, wanted to plant a church here in little old Lingle, Wyoming, that now reaches to the uttermost parts of the world, um, has been a significant part of many of your lives, some of you for the last 40 years. And... Uh, Jesus wants to continue to use us, the attenders 
and the members of North Hills Baptist Church to reach into the darkness of the world, to walk alongside other people who are just wandering around in the dark and help them see the light. To help them see the light. That's why, that's why this building exists. That's why these buildings exist. They are not, as Brandon so um, quietly mentioned, or maybe it was Bob, the, the buildings are not the church. We are the church. The buildings are a tool, and God has blessed us with some pretty incredible tools here to use in, in Goshen County, honestly, Platte County, Niobrara County, Laramie County, Wyoming, the state, our region, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Um, and it is a tool that God wants to use until he returns, which may be for another 40 years. It could be five. It could be one. It could be 200. Um, to aid us along on our journey with Jesus. Now, I was also reminded this week that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus doesn't say, hey, clean up your act and then you can come into the doors of a church and then, and then I will meet you. No, Jesus didn't hang out with the Pharisees and the Sadducees in most of the religious places. Now, he did teach in the temple, but he did a lot of his ministry out in the countryside walking around through different towns, different cities, seeing people. And, and one of the biggest complaints of the religious people in his day were that he, were hang, he was hanging out with people who weren't. And Jesus said, that's why I'm here. I'm here for them. And we need, we need to remember that. Where did he go? What did he do? Who did he spend his time with? Yes, he spent his time teaching and training his disciples, but he spent a lot of time healing broken people. He spent a lot of time eating with what in that day were referred to as tax collectors and sinners. And he spent a lot of time loving children and all of us, sheep without a shepherd. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38 says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There was a pastor, he was walking down the street and he came upon a group of about 10 or 12 boys and they had formed a circle and, and he noticed that inside the circle was this dog and he was afraid that maybe the boys were, uh, were hurting the dog, that they were tormenting the dog. So he went up and he says, what are you guys doing with the dog? One of the boys says, well, the dog is an, is an old neighborhood stray and, and we all want to take him home, but only one of us can take him home. So what we've decided to do is whoever can tell the best lie gets to take the dog home. And the preacher is just beside himself. He's like, you guys shouldn't be telling lies. And then he goes off into this 10-minute sermon about why they shouldn't be telling lies. And he starts the sermon off with, 
don't you boys know it's a sin to lie? And he finished his sermon off with, why, when I was your age, I never told a lie. (laughs) And then there was silence. And finally, one little boy pipes up and he says, all right, give him the dog. Unfortunately, that happens a lot to all of us. We say one thing and we do another. We say we believe one thing and then our actual actions and the way we live our life and how we travel the journey is totally opposite to that. Um, There is an old saying and it says this. The road to destruction is paved with good intentions. Now, some of you have heard the other variation of that. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, and and that is true. Um, I'm sure most of us have heard that. If you're younger, maybe you haven't. Um, This is what I I researched it, because I'm like, I want to make sure, because I say a lot of things, and they don't really mean (laughs) what they're supposed to or what other people think they mean. Um, and I found two meanings to that, that phrase. The, the first one is that sometimes people do something with good intentions, but, but after they do that thing, it turns out to have really, really terrible consequences in, in the lives of people. Um, I read of a mom who, who reported, her, her, reported to her son's Christian college that he was doing drugs. And, and when they went and did, an, in, in the hopes that they would be able to help him, that they would, they would be able to offer him some help and get him through this struggle that he was experiencing. But what happened was they found several other things that he was doing that went against the rules of the college and they kicked him out. And then he never returned to college. So what she had good intentions for turned out to have some pretty negative consequences. Another way that it is understood, and this is the way that I have always understood that phrase, is that individuals may have the intention to undertake good actions, but then they never do them. They say one thing. They make, basically, they make promises that they don't keep. And um, it could be because they're, they're lazy. It could be because they, uh, they just procrastinate. They're a good procrastinator. Or it could be for rebellious reasons. Um, I think that saying is a reminder that a good intention is meaningless unless it is actually followed through. Which seems logical, right? I I mean, we all know that, but yet in the spiritual battle that, that is this life that we're living, we have all done that. We have all said one thing, we have all made New Year's resolutions, and it's not eight hours and we've broken it. Because we just get used to it. Oh, yeah, well, everybody does that. And oh, yeah, everybody breaks them. And, and, and we just kind of fall into that. This, is also, this saying is also consistent with another saying that says the only thing necessary for evil to prosper is for good people to do nothing. It's kind of the opposite saying. A couple sayings that really stuck out to me this week as I worked on today's message. So, so I'm wondering, who in here, who listening today, wants to pave the road to destruction? I mean, I, I don't. And, and I realize sometimes I lay some of those pavers down. Uh, none of us are perfect. We all fail. We all make mistakes. 
but we also can fall into a bad, bad habit. And we need to turn our good intentions into reality. Now, as, as I have lived a pretty frenzied life in the last couple weeks, you know, school has started, there's extra things to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, a funeral is kind of falls into to your lap. You don't schedule those. Um, you, you make time for those. And um, this, this really rings true for me. Being, being a worker in the harvest field requires practicing the presence of God. It requires us to practice that. Turning good intentions into reality requires practicing the presence of God. And so this morning, we're going to look at three actions for practicing the presence of God. If you would turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 10. Uh, If you didn't bring a Bible, there's probably one in the seat in front of you. Uh, If there's not one in the seat in front of you, poke somebody on the shoulder in front of you and say, hey, do you have a spare Bible up there? Uh, turn to the book of Luke. It's in the New Testament, the last two-thirds of the Bible. It's, it's the third gospel. If you find Matthew, just keep flipping Mark, and then you'll find Luke. Chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So our first action this morning is to practice sitting at Jesus' feet. Practicing the presence of God is practicing sitting at Jesus' feet. Look, Jesus, the Messiah, okay, Emmanuel, God with us, who was immaculately, supernaturally conceived to Mary by the Holy Spirit, is in Martha and Mary's house. He is in the house. He is there. And what does Mary do? Mary is first of two responses. What is Mary doing? She's sitting at his feet, she's paying attention to him, she's looking at him and looking him in the eyes, and she's listening to what he has to say. She isn't busied by other things. Her first priority in that moment was to be with Jesus. Now, I know that we have older siblings in this room, and I know that you're all thinking she's just a spoiled, irresponsible younger sister who's not carrying her weight. Jesus doesn't see it that way. Uh, what, What we need to understand is the priority of the moment. Uh, I I don't think we're we read this and we see that 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 straightening up the house is a sin. That, that cooking a good meal is a bad thing to do. 
It's that in this moment, they're not the right thing. Practicing the presence of God is teaching our soul to find its joy in divine companionship. In divine companionship with Jesus. It's holding on to him at all times, at every moment of every day as we travel this journey of life. And the best way, the best way to learn something is what? Is to do it. It's to do it. You know, I, uh, I love YouTube. Absolutely love it. Because if there's something I don't know how to do, I can first, and I'm going to talk about this last, but I can first watch it being done, and then I can do it. And sometimes, and, and, and I have found, I mean, seriously, I, I took a transmission out of a car and put another transmission in it by watching YouTube. Uh, he went step by step, bolt by bolt, wrench size by wrench size. You need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And then, and then if I get stuck, I've got really, really good friends like Cecil Sauer and Patrick Heaney, who I can give a call or a text and say, hey, I, I, I need help here. Uh, because those guys do great work. They're often really busy. And, you know, I'm always trying to do something on the cheap. So um, I, uh, I try to do it myself. But you always mess up, you know, the first time. You, 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 you don't pay attention to the instructions or, or you get something partway back together and then you realize that that actually has to be a part in order to put the thing underneath it back together. And, and so, but after having done it once, and as long as it's not been a year or two since you did that thing once, again, it becomes easier to do. And, and I really believe that's that's something that we need to realize happens as we practice the presence of God. Um, the first way that we can practice sitting at Jesus' feet is to spend time in the Word. You know, that's kind of like watching or listening YouTube. We see it. We read it. When the Holy Spirit is there with us, we feel it at times. Um, this is God's revelation to us. God gave this to us. He gave it to you. So that you might understand who he is, how he's done some things, why he's done some things, what he requires of us. Uh, he's, he, all things that we need are in the word of God. Now, there are still mysteries. I mean, there are things in the word of God that you just read it and you go, huh? I don't fully understand that. Uh, but honestly, it's impossible for a finite being to fully understand an infinite being, right? So we need to be willing to, in those moments, just give God the praise and the glory for being bigger and greater and more knowing than we are and trust him that us not understanding that is okay. Um, I gave the, the example last week of a letter that my wife Sarah wrote me when we were first dating. Now, I didn't go try and find that letter. I wish I had. You know, it was handwritten. Um, she's looking at me with this, this uh, worried face. Do you remember that? 
letter? <laughs> you don't remember that letter? I was living in a trailer house, actually out on Gary Landfear's feedlot, and uh, she was mowing my lawn for me while I was gone for a couple weeks, and when I got back, there was this, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was four-page letter. You know about how great I was? No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know how you are when you're, you were first dating, and you're like writing letters to each other, and, and I mean actual letters. Do people do that today? Do people actually write letters? Um, or do you get an email? Because a, a personal handwritten letter is really much better um, you know, with X's and O's and little hearts, and I really need to see if I can find that letter. <laughs> but I remember reading it, and I, re I remember, as I said last week, I remember reading it over and over and over again, because I really wanted to try and pick apart what she said and how she said it, and what did she mean by this, and what did she mean by that? That's, that's what we do when we read the Word of God. It's like, what is God saying to me? Spirit, help me understand this. Shed light on this. Help me to see who you are and, and, and how you love me and, and, and how you want me to return that love to you. It truly deepened our relationship. Help me along in my growing commitment to her. That's what God's Word does. It, it helps us. Practice. The presence of God. Another thing that we can do to sit at the feet of Jesus is to spend time in prayer. To spend time in prayer. And, and I know we're all just going, you know, we've heard this many times, but how soon we forget. One of the most important things that we can do in our day is to have a conversation with the God who created us and who saved us, and yet we, we manage to fill that time with so many other unimportant things. Jesus taught the disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. And, and I want to give you something this morning, and I've mentioned this before, um, that helps me pray the way that Jesus taught. You can go through the Lord's Prayer, and, and these four words are, are exactly what Jesus was teaching them to do. Those four words are praise, repentance, asking, and yielding. It's an acrostic for the word pray. So when you pray, you can start out with, with praise. God, thank you. Thank you for being so gracious. Thank you for, for continuing to love me and forgive, for, forgive me when, when I'm, like just yesterday, God, when, when my eyes were drawn to someone other than my wife and I committed adultery in my heart. Please forgive me of that. Thank you for forgiving me of that. For being a God who is understanding and patient. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving my bad attitude or my reaction to that other person or, or my selfishness. That's a regular one. God, I repent of the selfish thoughts and self-centeredness that, that, that I can have in my life. And Lord, I, I just want to ask you on behalf of the family that was here yesterday. And, and Lord, I, I honestly, I, I, I pray that you would bring many of them back here on any given Sunday morning where they can... Hear how much you love them and hear the truth of the gospel that, that they don't have to live their life alone. God, I pray that you would um, draw my children to you, that they would have you as the number one thing in their life, and if they don't, that they would 
somehow have someone else who can come into their life and can point them in that direction. Lord, thank you uh, for how you have blessed and, and how you have continued the, the vision of the ministry of, of this church and for the many lives that, that are touched every day. And, and God, I, I thank you that, that at least I perceive this. I don't know if everybody does, but God, um, if, if North Hills were just to close its doors tomorrow and never open again, God, I, I just have the sense that this community and that it would be missed because of the work that you're doing through the people that, that, that attend here. Imperfect as we are, but trying to faithfully live for you. And God, help me. Help me to do those things that you ask of me. Help me to say yes to those things that you put before me. Help me to take advantage of those conversations. Lord, help me to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise, repentance, asking yieldly. I mean, we talk to those people that we love, right? We, we want to spend time with them. We want to be in their presence. That's one thing that prayer does sitting at Jesus' feet in prayer. And then we also spend time learning, spending time learning. You know, a devotional guide might be a part of that on a daily basis for you. We have our daily breads available out there. It gives you a passage to read, a, a, a short description of what the passage, how, how it can apply to our lives and and then it encourages you to, to pray about what you just learned. Attending a Bible study or a Sunday school class or as a young person going to Awana or going to youth group is one of the ways that we sit at Jesus' feet and we learn. We learn. Reading a book from a trusted author about a book of the Bible. Uh, right now, media is something that the, the church here has a, a subscription to, and it, we're able to offer it to anybody that, that attends here to sign in and have access to their tens of thousands of Bible studies and, and sermons and uh, uh, children's videos for kids. You know, if you're like, hey, that, I've never heard about, about that before, just mark that on your Connect card, give us your email address, and we'll get you the link, and you can get into that, that we use that a lot for our Bible studies. Um, reading a book uh, on a subject uh, like like prayer or time, you know, you maybe you struggle with time and you're like, I want to make a decision about this and I need some help, I need some guidance. Well, they have lots of books out there that can help you, spiritual um, books that can help you with the subject of time, prayer, repentance, generosity to our neighbors. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says this. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus first says, Come to me. Come to me. Come sit at my feet. Now, in... in the first century, when Jesus is here, basically the one who sits at the rabbi's feet 
They're sitting there so that they might learn the ways of the rabbi. The rabbi's teaching them a way of life, how to live their life, what they need to know. Now, we think of a yoke, and, and I've always sort of, it's, it's always been sort of a confusing passage to me because it's like, take my yoke, and I think yoke is a burden for an oxen, and that's not the way that that, that is teaching. The yoke is Jesus is saying, look, listen to me. I will teach you the way to live, and it will not be a heavy burden. It will be light. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message that verse. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him, having him teach us. All three of these things are good things, practices that maybe you have had intentions to do for years, but you've never taken that first step. You know in the back of your head, in fact, you feel guilty about it every day. I know I should be reading my Bible more. But for whatever reason, the guilt doesn't transfer enough to your hands and your feet in order for you to actually do it. What you do then is you find other things. You open Facebook. You open the Fox app. You open something else. ESPN is a consistent go-to of me. To fill that time... Till the time that you had is gone and you're on to the rest of your day. The road to destruction is paved with good intentions. It's time to practice sitting at Jesus' feet. Maybe today's the day. Today's the day that you can take a step forward and be more consistent in your Bible reading. Not because it's a box to be checked, but because it gives you a view, an intimate view into your relationship with Jesus Christ and who he is and who you are before him. Now, Mary, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Martha, on the other hand, verse 40, uh, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Number two, we need to identify the distractions and worries that are in our life and we need to let them go. Easier said than done, I know. But it needs to be said. Now, we have to admit, at least Martha was honest with Jesus. She didn't sort of hide that, you know, and let her sister have it later after Jesus left. She just threw it all out there in the open. Um, she had a lot of work to do, and Mary wasn't helping at all, so she cries out to Jesus to set her straight. And as I said before, I don't think the work itself that Martha was doing was bad. It was the timing. It's a bad thing it's not a bad thing to be a generous and hardworking person. It's not a bad thing to keep a tidy house. Martha, Martha, look, she wasn't ready for Jesus to show up. And, and, and you ladies, men, we don't really get this. Okay, it's, it's important that we get this. But we don't really get this because we're like, yeah, come on over. We'll have a cup of coffee. 
And you walk in the door and you get like lightning bolts from your wife's eyes. You didn't tell me you were bringing somebody over to the house. And he says, Jesus, just stop by. So who knows what the house looked like? So Martha's trying to make it how she would want it to look for the Messiah. Because she calls him Lord. She knows who Jesus is. And there are mouths to be fed, so I'm sure she was trying to make some quick preparations for that. And, and, and you know how we get. We want to put our best foot forward. We don't want somebody come, to come to the house and, and experience how we live life on a normal basis. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> um, honestly, I think that should be okay. I think we, as a guest, should be that not judgmental. That we can just show up to somebody's house and enjoy being with them no matter what the place looks like. Now, I know that there are a lot of people in here that disagree with me. I think it's probably 50-50. All the guys agree with me. All the women disagree with me. I mean, Martha is pretty worked up and she's pretty upset here. About many things, Jesus says. And in a loving way, he says, Martha, Martha. I know a Martha, and she's just like Martha. In a loving way, Jesus says, Martha, there's, there's something really good here, and it's me. And, and you're missing out on it. You're missing out on it. I am your Messiah. I am your Savior. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed, only one. Only one. I want you too, Martha, to sit at my feet and just be in the moment with me. Just listen. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from here. I, I wonder for you this morning, what things are you worried about today? But what kind of things are you worried about? Are you anxious about? Are you holding on to thinking about that's taking that space where you could instead be sitting at the feet of Jesus? Or what is upsetting you? You know, when times are tough or even when they're good, but especially when we are tempted to worry or grow anxious, let's remember Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Those seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, that's number one. All this other stuff, it can just happen. And it will. And it will. Run to the Father, he's trustworthy. Seek God above all else. His love is right. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And don't forget the promise in the verse's final portion. And all these other things will be added unto you. God is good. He loves you. And he will take care of you. Now, all of these things that we've been talking about, we, we need to do them thoughtfully and soberly, but without being hasty or in a rush. And, and that's contrary to how we live our lives, 
right? We're out the door and gone, and we all have to-go cups for our coffee. We can't just sit on the deck and drink it before we leave the house. We have to take it along with us. I think being rushed, being hasty, reveals a mind and life that is undisciplined, haphazard, because we can go about our daily work quietly, calmly, and lovingly, asking God to prosper the works of our hands. And, and one of the ways we do that is by intentionally keeping our heart and our mind fixed on God. You know, because we're jumping in to the middle of his day. He's been up since midnight. You know, he's on the 24-hour-a-day work schedule. And we're jumping in the middle. So it's like, all right, Lord, what are you working on? How can I be a, a hand of yours today? Oh, wait, God, don't speak yet. i got to drink my first cup of coffee. Okay, now, now I'm ready. Speak to me. Help me to hear you. And, and when we do that, when we intentionally keep our heart and our mind fixed on God, I believe we bruise the head of the evil one. Because when we do that more and more and more and more, when our feet hit the floor of the, of the, of the bedroom in the morning, the enemy's like, uh-oh, he's up. Uh-oh, she's up. We can even get frenzied in doing good things in our daily devotions or in our prayer times or as we spend time learning about God. I mean, I mean, just rush, 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 rush through that. So even in those times, I think we need to shed the distractions. We need to shed the hurriedness. And, and at times, so you're reading your devotion, you're reading through that, and you just, you just stop, you pause, you close your book, and you just say, God, Thank you for loving me. You just take a moment to praise him. Thank you. You just take a moment to give him a proverbial hug and a kiss. God, thank you. Thank you for loving me. So even in those times, we need to shed the distractions and hurriedness to just pause and soak him in, letting go of the worries and distractions that have crept into our mind, even while we are practicing the presence of God. That, too, is practicing the presence of God. Sit at Jesus' feet, get rid of things that distract us and worry us. And number three, we absolutely must walk the talk. I mean, that is where the rubber hits the road. Verse 42, but few things are needed, Jesus said, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Mary is walking the talk at the moment. Martha, Jesus is right there. He's literally, physically in the house. And you're distracted by all of these other things and you're not spending time with him. Now, it's a little easier to have that excuse today because we don't have him standing right before us. But he is alive today and he is with us. He has never left us. We have the Holy Spirit living within us if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. The curtain separating us from the Holy of Holies 
has been torn into. There's no more use for a priest other than to lead a church and encourage them and pray for them. We don't have to go to somebody else to talk to Jesus. He tore that in half. He opened that room up to us. At any moment, at any time, day, night, we're in his presence. We are with him, so let's be present. Let's choose what's better. Time with Jesus, busyness. I mean, in a, in a world that operates on production, that's, that's a struggle for us. Uh, Many of you in here, you, you actually have control over your own schedules. Um, you can set aside that time and say, that's it. I, you know, whenever you have a, a meeting with someone or an appointment with someone, what do you do? Well, some of you may forget about it and, and miss the meeting. But um, what do you normally do? You put it in your phone, right? Or you put it in a day timer. Any, does anybody still have one of those things and actually uses paper? Way to go, Betsy. Oh, another one in the, oh, people over here. Wow, didn't see that coming. Why would it be so hard to put 7 to 7.15 or 7 to 7.30 Jesus? And guard that like you would a date with your spouse or, or a meeting with someone else or an interview for a job. Why wouldn't we honor that too? Maybe you've been saying for years that you're too busy. And you just, you've just let it go because you're too busy to think about it. And you just keep doing what you're doing. I, why not say, you know what? I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm going to... Take some steps. I'm going to take some steps. Uh, maybe you've been sitting on the fence when it comes to putting your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe it's belief that, that you've been thinking about and you're like, ah, I just kind of want to live my life, you know, do some fun things, quote unquote, and then I'll get serious about Jesus some other day. Well, that some other day may not come. And if you put that off, until some other day, and you don't live till some other day, it's too late. That especially is when the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Oh, I intend to do that. Isn't it time to do something about it? We, we don't know when our last breath will be. The time to walk the walk is now. And with the Holy Spirit in you, you can. It's, it's time to live your life right now like the creator of the universe has your back. I, I read one author and he was like, we need to live our life like Jesus is real. Like God is all-powerful. And, and like God loves you. Because there's no doubt about that. He died on your behalf. And then God rose him from the dead. 
Um, One other passage I want to bring to us this morning. It's Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 32. I put them up on the screen for you. Uh, You might write this down. What do you think Jesus is telling this story? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go out and work today in the vineyard. Modern translation would be, son, go and clean your room. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and then he went and he did it. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? And the Pharisees answered, the the first they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe. Yeah, I would not have been wanted to be one of those guys and those guys still didn't hear it. These are the religious leaders that Jesus is talking to. They are saying one thing and walking a different one. Jesus is right there before them. He has the answer. He has the truth. And they're they're good-intentioned, but they're not doing what Jesus says. Maybe you know what the truth is in your head. You know, but you just haven't been willing to surrender to it. Well, that is like the second son. And, and uh, God would call us to repent, to fully and humbly surrender our life to Jesus. And, and I want to ask you a question right now. Are you breathing? Everybody in the room breathing? Everybody watching? Breathing? Then it's not too late. You still can. You still can. Don't put it off. The enemy wants you to believe that you have plenty of time. I mean, you got other stuff to do. Make those significant decisions and take those significant actions later, but that isn't the case. If you say, yeah, I'll do it, but you put it off, Or you say, Lord, I'm going to start reading my Bible, but you don't. No, make a decision today and then take action. Now, I would encourage you not to make a 20 bullet point list of things that you want to do. Pick one. Choose one. And and take that step and, and trust God to help you with that. May today be the day that we start walking the talk. Today, let's begin practicing the presence of God by sitting at Jesus' feet. Today, let's begin practicing the presence of God by getting rid of those distractions and getting rid of those worries and and, and laying those down at the feet of Jesus. Let's take up his yoke. Let's listen to Jesus in how to live our life. Today, begin learning about yourself from your creator, from your savior, from the power giver in this world.
the Holy Spirit. Repent of the convictions of the Holy Spirit and don't look back. Because he will carry us. He, he's walking with us. He'll carry us through the griefs and the failures that happen on the journey that we're on, that we make every day. Let's find our strength in him. Praising, repenting, asking, and yielding. And one last reference to put in your notes this morning. It's Psalm 84. Psalm 84. And, you know, I... Maybe, maybe you just close your eyes and you, you listen. We, we read the first seven verses in the, the bumper video there, but I want to read the whole thing for us. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully, To the living God, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. Oh, Lord of heaven's armies, my king and my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. O Lord God of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob. O God, look with favor upon the king, our shield. Show favor favor to the one you have appointed. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will hold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Praise be the Lord. Amen. Now I'm going to have Pastor Dick come up and I can find a microphone for him. How, uh, I'm just curious as we sit here this morning, how, how many of you were here, how many of you in the room today were here in this room 40 years ago on September 11th? Just raise your hand. Actually, why don't you stand up so we can see? Because I can't see hands very good. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten. Ten of them, Dick. I think it grew by a thousand. Thank you, David. Thank you for reminding us today of the importance of being in the presence of the Lord. Um, Some of you know that I raise apples now, and tomorrow I'm going to do some teaching to a homeschool on what it means to be grafted into the vine. And I'd like to piggyback on what David said today, because, and, and just say this in your presence, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, 
Ask whatever you will, and I will give it to you. Because my desire for you is that you go and bear much fruit. And particularly if we ask of the Lord Jesus that he will multiply our efforts and help other people come to Christ. If that's what we really live for, we can expect God to produce fruit because it's why he sent his son, the Lord Jesus, into the world to be the savior of the world, not only our own lives, but to be the savior of the world. Do you realize the effect that this body of believers and the, the, the few of us that are still here and still have the privilege of living, and how that has multiplied in so many ways around the world where I have no idea how many people now claim Jesus as their Savior because you prayed that they would become believers. And you prayed that God would bring together a group of believers that would hang on to the presence of Jesus and count that reality in their life and live for, for the Lord Jesus and want people to come to Christ. I say to you again today that I am a satisfied customer of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I have hope for now. I have joy now. I have the, I have the joy of living with the Lord. I have the joy of living in the presence of, of people that love the Lord. And I have an eternity to look forward to. I'm 84. And I'm just getting started in my life with God because it's going to go on forever. And that's what I long for. And that's why this church came into being. It was because of a few people like Betty Mills and a few other people said, yeah, we can go to someplace else and worship, but we want to see people in our own community come to Jesus. And you know what happened? People have come to Jesus. Do you know the story of Rich and, and Willie Needens? Do you know the story of their little boy coming to Daily Vacation Bible School and receiving Jesus as their Savior? And do you know the tragedy of that story when he was help, told his daddy, Daddy, I have to go home and help Mom cut the lawn. And he rode with a hired hand on the back of the tractor, and the tractor was hit by a car, and little Joel Needens was killed. Do you know the joy of his mom and dad when they knew that he was with Jesus? because they witnessed the fact that it was just a matter of days prior to that that he had received Jesus as a Savior here at Daily Vacation Bible School in this church that has multiplied that over and over and over again in the lives of people, and many of them unbeknown to us. That's worth giving your life to. That's worth living for. And do you know how that has multiplied and expanded to other churches? Well, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, early pioneers. Thank you for putting us up in your house, Susie, when we didn't have a home. Thank you, Gary, for letting us live in your house for a year when we were building a home here to come back in retirement. Thank you, one and all, for giving up the comfort of an established church to buy into something that you didn't know would ever exist and become a reality because there are a lot of churches that flame up hard and fast and beautiful for a few days and a few years and then they filter out. But there was something about this group of people and I think it's because you remained in the Lord and the Lord wanted us to bear fruit and to bear fruit that lasts for eternity.
Lord Jesus, I am honored to stand in front of this group of people today. I am honored to say thank you for the way that you led us. I am honored that you have called and that you called all of us to be a part of that. And I am honored, Father, that you love us and that you have multiplied your grace through us. It is a privilege to serve you. No, it is the greatest joy in the world to look over your shoulder and to say that you have been a part of something that stretches far into eternity. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm, I'm holding the program, original actually, uh, program from that day on September 11th, 1983 for the building dedication service. And it gives a little bit of a history about how uh, the church started in 79. Pastor Gene West of Bethel over in Torrington asked David Lois Armstrong if they would like to host a, a Bible study with the long-range goal of, of planting a church. And from that Bible study, a, a decision was made to begin a church service in the Legion Hall. The group then formed a steering committee consisting of Emmett Richardson, Gary Lanfear, Orvin Barkman, Rick Carroll, and Bob Rose, to organize the proposed church. Uh, on August 8, 1979, much to my family's chagrin, a unanimous <laughs> vote was taken to call Dick Young from Alvin Baptist Church in Alvin, Wyoming to come and be the pastor. Dick accepted that on October of, of 1979. They met in a rented storefront on Main Street uh, starting in October of 79. Um, then in January of 1980, the church purchased two and a half acres of land uh, in Lingle as the future site. The church voted to use all volunteer labor to build. Ralph Forkner volunteered one year of his time as a donation to the Lord to help build the new church. And on July 5th, 1981, the groundbreaking was held for the new church building. And then there's the program. And as I was reading through this program, I saw a name that's familiar to me. There was a special greeting by Don Anderson of Albin, a representative of many non-area people who gave of themselves toward the construction of our church. And I remembered Dad would, you know, we'd eat breakfast and then he'd leave and he'd run up to Lingle and he'd work on the church and then he'd come home. And then same thing day after day after day. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's, I, I just don't know. You know, Dick came to Albin um, like in 74 or 73, something like that. And, and uh, you know, we were, we were devastated when he left. And I remember sitting next to my mom in the tears when he read his letter of, of resignation. And, and, uh, and then he comes here, and then Dick leaves, and then I come here, and, and then Dick comes back, and, and I'm still here. And, um, it's interesting. Um, how, how just one seemingly, you know, my dad didn't make a big deal about that. It was just something that he did. How God takes something that we give him, even just a little thing, and he, he, he waters it and grows it into something that he wants it to be. And we get to be a part of that. Honestly, it really makes me feel good to read my dad's name in this and see that he, he was a part of the building of this this church building and congregation. Um,
Mine too. <laughs> um, if you would take out that. Brandon said we were going to do this downstairs, but we're going to do it right here. Um, I'd like us to... This, this is the, the other program that everybody received that day. This is not an original. This is a copy that you have with, with you. And I would like us to do this dedication response, rededicating ourselves to the vision that has gone on for 40 years and that we do pray short of the Lord's return goes on for until, until Jesus returns. So um, I think what I'd like to ask is for everybody to stand. Do you guys have this? Nope. You done left it down at your chairs, didn't you? Didn't get one. Um, We have a couple more extras. All right. I don't want to leave anybody out. Got one more. To the glory of God the Father, to the honor of Jesus Christ the Son, and to the praise of the Holy Spirit, we dedicate this building. Because we have purposed in our hearts to erect a building to the worship of the true and living God and to the service of Jesus Christ our Lord, we dedicate this building. Being assured that there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We dedicate this building to the bringing of the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ to the unconverted. Knowing that our God is a great God and worthy to be praised, we dedicate this building to the worship of God in prayer and song and for the keeping of the sacred ordinances of God. Remembering that we are called to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We, we dedicate, dedicate this building to the faithful preaching and teaching of the Word of God, to the end that every believer be presented mature and complete in Jesus Christ. Mindful of our obligation to bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, we dedicate this building to the sanctity of the home and the hallowing of family life, to the religious nature of children and youth, and to the task of fostering Christian character and discipleship. In obedience to the command of Christ to love our neighbors as ourselves, we dedicate this building to the fellowship of the saints, to the refuge of weary, restless souls, to the peace and hope of the oppressed, to the comfort of those that mourn, and to the happiness of all those of like precious faith. In obedience to the explicit command of Christ to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, we dedicate this building to the worldwide task of the whole Church of Christ, 
until all the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We, the members and friends of this church, deeply grateful for the heritage that has been entrusted to us and keenly conscious of those ties by which we are bound to the Lord of all life and to each other, do covenant together in this act of dedication, offering ourselves anew to the work and worship of our Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's sing those two hymns that they sang on that day 40 years ago.